This podcast replay, it's brought to you by Nature B. Hey, it's Big O. Over the last 20 years, I rarely ever get a cold because I've boosted my immune system every single day with two capsules. Improved digestion, stronger nails, fuller hair. Order at naturebee.com. Use my code Big O for free shipping. Naturebee.com. We locked and loaded. There he is. How you feeling, big man? You feeling good? I am feeling great today. Thanks for having me on, Big O. Oh, man, it's uh, always a pleasure. I was uh, talking earlier. I go, you know, Keith and I usually, when we're going back and forth, it's never really football. We're <laughs> really, <laughs> rarely are ever talking football. Here, this will be all about football. It will definitely not be a lot about the conversation we had last night. But uh, anyway, good. yes, yeah, definitely. Uh, let's, uh, let's get into it. Uh, first of all, um, your thoughts on everything that just went by? Uh, with Tua and McDaniel in his first year. What, what what are your thoughts as an offensive guy and watching everything? Well, it was definitely an exciting year offensively for the Miami Dolphins. It was great to see them be able to score points almost at will, particularly the first half or first three quarters of the season. But as we know, the NFL catches up to every new type of offense and you saw basically probably at that san diego game the nfl defense or maybe san francisco those defense began to adjust and figure out how to slow down the dolphin offense so i think that's something daniel's gonna have to learn as a head coach when the nfl adjusts what's your counter move to their counter move and i think we'll see that this season so it was exciting for for me and my family to see the dolphins back in the playoffs i'm definitely excited about this team offensively future wise and even now defensively wise i think it's gonna be a team to reckon with moving forward what they were missing they had they had the right to knock your ass out right but they mm-hmm. didn't have the jab yeah. throughout the Higher 12 ring 12 12 round fighter. You and I grew up with 15 round <laughs> yes. fights, but they, they didn't have that, and that's the running game. Yeah. And if that's something that comes from the Shanahan tree where he came from, and when I look at Purdy, he can always hand it off or mm-hmm. dump it off to, to Christian. And there yeah. was those those chunk plays, those yards that he that would make his life and John Elway's life, he can hand it off to Terrell Davis for two great years and stuff like that. And to me, that's what I saw. I saw that element missing that I think that's what Tua needs to kind of take it over the top. And Mike McDaniel as a play caller, Mm -hmm. I thought that that was that, you know, they bunched up the middle of the field to try to cloud up the, the running lanes. Well, how do you take that out of the way? Bring those linebackers in and run on their own. But we all know element that there was missing. Your thoughts on that? Yeah, we all know uh, one of the greatest assets a quarterback can have is a running game, and and the offensive line is a key to that running game being effective. And the Dolphins had so many injuries on the offensive line. I love the addition of Tyron Armstead. He really solidified that left tackle position for the Miami Dolphins. And Connor Williams at center really took over there and didn't just didn't miss a beat. I mean, I don't think he missed a single snap all year long. So. As they solidify that offensive line again this year and then maybe add maybe a more dynamic running back. Yeah, they had a two-headed monster there, but they need that pounder. They need that situation where when they need to lengthen the game or shorten the game by handing the running ball off to the running back, they can chew up clock and not always rely on that quick strike go 60 yards in, in a play or two so i think as they mature as an offense mcdaniel matures as a head coach i think he'll understand how to put those two pieces together and really deliver that knockout punch that you're talking about by the way your offense kind of missed that too at times you you never oh. had right if danny had yeah. that that power running game that guy and i know god bless shula man you know, mm-hmm. with Overstreet and Sammy Smith. And, you know, over the years, he tried to get that back to compliment uh, Danny, but he, it just, it, it just never happened. You just no. never had that opportunity. And to me, that's what a McDaniel, that's what a Shanahan offense is all about. It kind of centers around mm-hmm. that run game. And, you know, again, you play guard. You saw how difficult that left guard spot was for yeah. the Miami Dolphins. So talk to us a little bit from that position, from that perspective. 
What did you see in the offensive line and why they struggled? Well, I, I think number one, it was probably the injuries. Uh, you bring Tyron Austin and he's a top tackle, proved it when he was healthy, but he's never been healthy all the time. So without that cohesiveness between those linemen, uh, getting to know each other and understanding how they play, how they see, how they figure out this blitz, it makes it very difficult, particularly in an offense like they have in Miami right now. So I think injuries was probably the number one thing. And then you need guys to step up. Austin Jackson, can he stay healthy? Can he be the kind of player that they expected when they spent a first-round pick on him? Eichenberg, can he stay healthy? Can he stay in that lineup as a second-round pick? They've invested a ton of of capital, both free agent capital and draft capital this offensive line. It is time for it to gel and come together, but you have to stay healthy. You look at the Super Bowl, Kansas City. They lost the Super Bowl a couple of years ago because their offensive line couldn't block. And, and I have a personal connection because their offensive line coach is Andy Heck, who we played together when we were together in Washington. So I know how good a coach he is and how good he coaches that offensive line. But if you're, if you're injured, if your top guys aren't there to play and you can't play together, you can't win at the highest level. Yeah, you can get away with it maybe in the regular season. But when you get to the playoffs and you're playing the top teams, you have to have your line execute to, execute to their highest. And that's why you saw Philadelphia and Kansas City in that Super Bowl this year. Yeah, I mean, listen, we've watched Robert Hunt turn himself yeah. into a player, dude. Yeah, he's right? a really solid guard for the Miami Dolphins. Yeah, he's turned into a player, and and again, he's also what stayed healthy, yeah. which has allowed him to grow in that position and get better and better. And I thought this past season was his best season to date, you know, overall. And and that's been, you know, Eichenberg has had the setbacks with the injuries. They've moved him around. Which Keith, you got? I mean, you and <laughs> Richmond, you and yeah. Richmond, they plugged your asses in on the left side, and then they never moved you again. Yep. You guys had that luxury. I kind of feel bad for Eichen Eichenberg because he's had to move around, and that's got to play with your ass when you've got to like habitually do everything on the right yeah. side, habitually everything on the left side. That has got to be one hell of an adjustment. Now, let me ask you something with Eichenberg. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I, I'm, this might be an unfair question to you. I don't know how much you watched of him, but before he got injured that last time, they felt he was turning the corner. And that's kind of what I heard inside the building. I, I was telling him, man, I don't see it. But they told me they, they could swear that he was turning the corner before he got injured that last time. What have you seen from Meikenberg? Is there anything there that gives you hope? Well, let, let me explain from a personal perspective. When you have a great left tackle next to you, it makes it easier to be a really good left guard. You can work together. And I think that's what they were trying to figure out with Tyron Armstrong when he brought him in and then put Eichenberg in and let those two guys gel on the left side. Now, it's not the blind side of the quarterback since two is a left-handed quarterback, but it's still a very important. They still have typically the best defensive ends will be on that side. So I think it's time for him to come and step up and be consistent. But again, when you're injured, I don't care who you are. You cannot be at your best. And that really is going to limit his ability to really consistently produce for this team. I think they, that's what their struggle is right now. They have a, a bunch of guys who they can find the best five. But can that five stay together and be healthy? You mentioned when they drafted Richmond and I. Yeah, they put us on the left side, and that was it. I didn't play any other position except for extra snaps on scout team and as an emergency situation, then left guard. And that allowed us to develop that cohesiveness and that communication where all I had to do was say Rich and all I had to, do was, all I had to say is Keith. And we understood what we were seeing and how we were going to handle the situation in front of us. And I think that's what the Miami Dolphin offensive line right now is missing. With all those injuries, with all that interchanging, you've got to put guys in a position, pass or fail and let them succeed because muscle memory on the offensive line is so important. I would have struggled if I had to go from left guard to right guard to center to right tackle. No, I was able to sit there as a, as a rookie and my whole career and play right. left guard. So it was, it was, I didn't have to think about how to handle a situation. My body was so used to it from all those reps at that one spot. And let me tell you something, the other, the bright side to all this, cause I, I you know, let's not make it sound, you do have Teron Armstead. Connor Williams yeah. did a fantastic job of moving yes, over to center. 
and you have Robert Hunt. So you have mm -hmm. three of the five positions solved. And let me tell you something. Brandon Shell was effing money, bro, because yeah, he came they, in. Found, they, they found him in the middle of the season. And sadly, and last year they got another injury with Brandon Shell right before the damn playoff mm -hmm. came. And what a shame. Uh, I'd like to see him come back. But that's the other thing, Keith. They are closer than they've been in a while to oh, actually yeah. put together a pretty good line. Absolutely. When you say you've got three or five really solidified and you've got probably four or five candidates who, if any of them step up, you're going to have a really solid offensive line. I think that's a great position for the Miami Dolphins to be in right now. And they're going to need it in the AFC East. You know, we've seen how great Buffalo is. We see what the Jets are trying to do now to step up there. So the competition in the AFC is is unbelievable. This the Bengals, of course, the Super Bowl champion Kansas City Chiefs. So they've got to get if they want to compete for that trophy, that Lombardi trophy, they've got to get this five figured out, whether it be bringing another free agent or guys just figuring out a way to stay healthy. And I know some of that's out of your control. People fall on you. You have knee injuries, ankle injuries. There's nothing you can do on that. But you need guys who can be in there for 16, 17, 18, 19 games, whatever it's going to take to get to that Super Bowl. We're talking with Dolphins great Keith Sim. Uh, Keith, so let me ask you something. Where, where do you stand on, uh, on two? Are you a believer? Are you a non-believer? Where, where are you with Tua? Uh, I love a healthy Tua, and I think that's an easy thing for, for most of us to say is, is when he's healthy, he, he's proven this season that he can be an outstanding franchise quarterback for the Miami Dolphins. The question that we all have is can he stay healthy? And, and one of the things uh, I know we were chatting the other day, uh, Big O, and I was telling you about I've been in four or five different NFL health studies for – brain injuries and concussion, and thank God my tests are fantastic. But I've seen so many guys that I played with in the 90s that are truly struggling mentally. I've got my youngest son is getting ready to start high school football. So as a parent, as a former NFL player, I'm concerned about these repetitive issues for him. It was horrific seeing him on, on the Cincinnati game on the sideline being carted off. And I, I applaud the way he bounced back. And I know his desire is to play. As a Miami Dolphin organization, the question I have for them is quarterbacks are now getting 200 plus million dollar contracts when you're a franchise quarterback. Can you put that kind of money out there, guaranteed money out there for a guy you're not quite sure can stay healthy? If he stays healthy, he's easily, easily a top 10, if not arguably a top seven, five quarterback in the NFL. Question is, can he stay healthy? To this point in his career, he has not been able to do that. And I think this year you kind of you run with Tua, you let it run it back and see what happens. If he stays healthy, pay the man because he's going to be your guy. But if not, I, I don't know. I, I'm tired of the Dolphin organization searching for that quarterback. So I was a guy who wanted them to draft Tua. I was happy when they drafted Tua because I loved what he did in college. But in the back of my mind, I always had a question of health. And as the offensive line gets better, maybe you can say, hey, he won't take those hits. But you and I talked, does he know how to fall when he gets hit? Is he going to get that freak injury like he got in Alabama? I don't know. I'm glad I'm not the one whose livelihood is on the line making that decision, particularly this year, because there's other quarterbacks that may be available at the right price. And I don't know if you pull the trigger on a Lamar Jackson or Aaron Rodgers or whatever might be out there because you've got Tua in the building. You love everything about this kid. He's everything you want in a quarterback. The only issue is health. And Shula used to say, you can't make the club if you're in the tub. Right, yeah. No, that's that's always been the saying. Now, let me ask you, when you look at his situation, one of the things that I've pointed out, his hip injury, yep. his two concussions this year, Mm -hmm. The um the two uh, the 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 two ankle injuries, they yeah. all happen between three point eight one and five point okay. one seconds. The last one against the Packers happened at the four point eight one second mark. And yeah. my argument is, if you think about it, all his major injuries have come from holding on to the ball too long. Mm -hmm. And you you played with a guy, I don't know, I think his name <laughs> was Dan Marino or something. Uh, yeah. Uh, Dan Marino was going to either make a decision or get rid of the goddamn football. 
He wasn't going to hang around back there scrambling for 10 seconds. Were there moments that Danny slid one way or another or rolled out quickly to fight? Of course, because he saw it was open field or whatever, and he can buy himself that extra half a second or whatever. But one of the things he never did was hold on to the ball. And one of the things that I, I think one of the, one of the things that is a, a knock on Tua is mm-hmm. this warrior like mentality yeah. that he wants to keep the play alive. And my brother, if you're built like Josh Allen, <laughs> you can do those yeah. kind of things. You know, the mm-hmm. first year, Joe Burrow took a beating behind a bad line. Yeah. How did it end up with a blown out knee? Uh, Remember yeah. that? Mm-hmm. And so for, for me, what I think Tua needs to do is live the life that Brady, that Peyton Manning, that Dan Marino, that Drew Brees, you know, I can go on and on and talk about those kind of guys. They didn't scramble around like Pat Mahomes. They mm-hmm. didn't do things. Nobody can do what Lamar does running around. Yeah. But they, 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 they're not going to be Cam Newton. They're not going to be Josh Allen. These kind of quarterbacks, those traditional pocket passers, they made a decision quickly and moved on because mm-hmm. they live for the next play. And to yeah. me – if I'm documenting all your major injuries are dude way after three seconds, you're going into four and five seconds. To me, that's the key. You don't have the athleticism, dude. You're not the guy that's going to run around like Russell Wilson or Pat Mahomes. So play like Marino, play like uh, uh, Peyton Manning and Brady. These guys are statues. They they move slightly faster than their Hall of Fame busts. You and I know this. Absolutely. Play like that, dude. Make a quick decision and live for the next play. Danny was more than willing mm-hmm. to throw it out of bounds, bro. Oh, yeah. And, and I agree with you, but you have to remember that the NFL defenses have caught up with it. At the beginning of the season, it was those quick balls out at 0.2 seconds or two seconds. It was out. Quick slants. Guys were taking it to the house. Well, now corners are coming up. They're taking away those easy throws, and they're making to a hold on to the ball longer if you want to not just dump it off to your back in the flat. So it's it's a combination. You've got to move the offense, but you have to protect yourself. And the minute he shifts from being aggressive to being protective, I think the defense has won. Because if you make offenses go 10, 12, 14 plays, the odds are against you scoring a lot of points. It's those quick strike offenses that scare the heck out of defenses. And I think it's it's a balance that he has, he has to learn to protect himself within the scope of the offense. But that brings us back to that running game. That we and and one, more, one more element. Let's add yeah. the tight end. Because oh. clearly our head coach had, yeah. you know, this hard on that he mm-hmm. didn't want to play Gesicki. And that Gesicki doesn't fit his two-way. Mm-hmm. And I get it. You want to sell to the defense that this guy could be Mm -hmm. staying a block or he could catch. You don't Mm -hmm. know. But if you play Gesicki, you know he's not blocking. He's Mm -hmm. I get the whole premise of it. It still bothers me because the guy you played for figured out a role for everybody. He didn't if you were Jim Jensen, he found Mm -hmm. the way to play you. He didn't care. You know what I mean? And so that's one of the things that I loved about Shula that. He had that greasy kick uh, Morris um, um, uh, (laughs) that you didn't have to pass a lot. Then he had Woodstrock and then he had Marino. So he adjusted to all kinds of players and all kinds. And that's one knock that I had on McDaniel last year. Like, I get it, dude. He doesn't fit exactly Mm -hmm. what you do. But, dude, he's a hell of a pass catcher. Get his ass on the field. Notice how the last month of the season they started to play him a little bit more, and all he Mm -hmm. did was make plays for you. And so a running game and Mm -hmm. an impactful tight end that you can't cover like they have in San Francisco and those kind of offenses, like Shanahan had in Denver, you know, like that. I think that's the other element they're missing. He's really missing his his two-way tight end that's dynamic Mm -hmm missing that running game that's impactful totally agree with you and they're not that far away this i know this draft is loaded with tight ends and like you said for whatever reason gasecki didn't fit the model they were looking for and they just they struggled to figure out a way to get production out of a guy you placed a franchise tag on last year at the tight end position so if they solve that and, and you start dreaming about what this offense could look like with waddle and hill and you put a dynamic tight i'll say a george kittle type tight end that can block and catch and then you 
step up your running back just a little bit, your offensive line stays healthy, it is going to be a tough offense to really handle for the NFL moving forward. But at the same time, you say to yourself, hey, McDaniel was a first-time head coach, and you expect certain struggles. We talked about time management. Now we talked about non-utilization of the tight end position. I think that will get fixed. I'm sure those are priorities for this offense to fix moving forward for next offseason. So to me, if everybody can stay healthy, quarterback on down, and you add one or two pieces, this team could can make some noise next year. Yeah, man. I, I'm telling you, those elements were missing from this offense, and and that was uh, that was really a, a, a shame. But again, this is his first year. Yeah. Who the hell takes over a first year and has every element, you know, in their offense? What San Francisco has, they've been building that for several, yes. and they've done an exceptional oh. job building it. Let's not. But but yeah. they have built it, and it's taken them several years to get to this point. Uh, but you do look at at Tua as an elite passer. I'm not saying he's an yeah. elite quarterback, but he is an elite passer, right? That you see yeah. that the accuracy, ball placement, anticipation, all those kind of things. The the only question I would have on him, and he kind of answered that this year, is his arm strength for down the field and wide side of the field. But accuracy and timing and anticipation, he is one of the top quarterbacks in the NFL with that. And I think the system works well to his strengths. And you could see him and McDaniel, how they were on the same page throughout the year. And I think that that's a huge positive for two. That's why it's, it's a struggle. I think it'd be a mistake for the Dolphins to just give up on Tua, but, yeah. but at the same time, w- without a solid replacement, I mean, if, if you told me, hey, we could we could get Lamar Jackson over him, I say, okay, I understand that. If you say, hey, I can get Aaron Rodgers you, you, over you're him, a Lamar, you're a Lamar. I don't believe he's the passer, bro. Well, he's not. He's not the same passer as Tua, but he brings a uh, a dynamic aspect to the running game from the quarterback position that you see what that can do. You see what Josh Allen, his ability to run the football. You see what yeah, Patrick he Mahomes. Misses, he misses more games than Tua the last two years. Mm, very true, but his bills are, are ahead of us right now. So, I mean, I love Tua. I love his positives, but but those negatives are also a little bright as well. And then, number one is the health. If, if he suffers another concussion or two, hey, if I oh, was I know, I know like, you know what, you need to retire. And that, that's the difference. He's had some devastating injuries that you sit there and say, ooh, how long can he hold? He's a, he's a small body as it is. How long can he hold up? And unless you have the 49ers offensive line or the Eagles offensive line in front of you, which we don't have yet, maybe we can get to that in the future, but we don't have that yet. And with Tyron Armstrong's history of never finishing a season, you're going to have some lapses in that offensive line. So I, it's a tough one. I don't have a solid answer. I think I'd be okay with Miami keeping to a and riding him out this year, I think that's the number one plan. And then see yeah, what else is out there. You, you, you have to be open. You know, one of the things that I find well, the way the way I've been open is is if Hendon Hooker's available to you in the second round. Okay, that's the way I've been open uh-huh. because yeah, I'm not here to get Aaron Rodgers and and deal with his ass no. for a year or two and then you're done. I'm not doing that. I, I think two is better than Derek Carr, anyways. I think oh, two yeah. is better than every other option you have out there. So I don't really care about what options are out there. Mm-hmm. I just I think he needs to learn how to play the game the right way. He has to understand who he is mm-hmm. and who he not. And yeah. that way, once he knows who he is, then he will excel because Drew Brees had to do the same thing. Small guy. You yeah. can't go holding on to the ball and taking a whole bunch of shots. And think about this. I pointed yeah. out all his major injuries are from holding on to the ball too long. Okay, if he doesn't hold on to okay. the ball too long, he has survived the regular hits that a quarterback has survived. So, dude, okay. stay playing the way it normally plays the game, and you will be fine. Everything else, if you start thinking you're Pat Mahomes or you're Russell Wilson, that you can start <laughs> running around back there. Cre- no, dude, you're not Fran Tarkenton. Mm-hmm. You're not You're not Roger Staubach. If if you want me to hit you for this generation or past generations, I can do it all for you. I've seen mm-hmm. the scrambler. He's not the scrambler. That's all. It's pretty simple. I understand. You, you've seen but, the scrambler. We've seen the scrambler. Oh, yeah. He's not the scrambler. Neither was Marino. Neither mm-hmm. was Brady. Neither was Peyton Manning. Neither was Drew. A lot of great quarterbacks weren't scramblers. No, that's Make true. But you also it, have to keep in mind – that you're, you're kind of playing into the defense's hands. 
when yes. you say don't hold the ball because now we press those those receivers and we take away that quick little strike and make you dump it off and you know then your weapons on the outside are going to get frustrated because they're not getting the opportunities to showcase their abilities as well so playing so with then yourself you got, so then you got Clayton and Duper in the huddle complaining is what you're saying yeah absolutely and Tyreek Hill who's an all pro wide receiver fastest guy in the NFL hey he wants to be turned loose and if you're not feeding the rock to him then it, it could cause chemistry problems. So it's it's a tough mix and a tough balance. But, hey, to me, that's a good problem. You have so much talent. You just want to keep everybody healthy and then let them do what they do. All right. Uh, so let me ask you something. Uh, your buddy got into the Pro Football Hall of Fame, a guy named Zach Thomas. I don't know if yes. you know him. You might, you might have <laughs> him or some. So uh, yes. let me ask you. So give us uh, your best Zach story. Oh, my internet's breaking up. Can you still hear me okay, right? I hear I hear you. Give me okay, give good. a text um, You know, Zach and I were teammates for about three years in Miami, and, and I'm sure lots of people have come on and talked about, you know, Zach was a pro from the very beginning, his work ethic and those kind of things. But I had the pleasure of not only being Zach's teammate, but facing Zach when I was part of the Washington Redskins football team in a very pivotal game. I think it was 1999. It was the last game of the season. Uh, for us, we had to win the game to secure the NFC East. Uh, Dolphins had to win that game to get in the playoffs. Marino versus Brad Johnson. To look back on that defensive, the players on the field, I think it was five or six Hall of Fame players on the field. We weren't worried about Marino. We were worried about that defense. I mean, we had Daryl Green at a corner. We had Champ Bailey at the other corner. So we were going to lock down the Dolphin offense. But that Tuesday, I got called into Redskin Park. So I show up, I'm like, what the heck's going on? What could they want? I go into the offensive line room. It's Russ Grimm, Norv Turner, and a couple other coaches. And they're like, sit down, we need to talk to you. I said, okay, what's up? They're like, well, we need to know how to, how to attack this defense. We need to know how do we stop, not Jason Taylor, but they were worried about Zach Thomas. Nobody did a good job of getting a lineman in Zach's face. Zach wasn't the biggest guy in the world, but he was so smart and so quick, and he studied so well. He knew where the play was going before the snap. We, at the time, we ended up that season the second-rate offense in the NFL to the Rams, and we had the top running back in the league. We had Brad Johnson at quarterback. We were pulling left and right, but we were so worried about Zach Thomas. And all I could tell him was if we could get a lineman in his face to run with him, then we have an opportunity to slow him down. But if you're going to try to combo block up there, he will see past that. They had Daryl Gardner and Tim Bowens at defensive tackles. We were never going to lay a hand on him, and Zach was going to have 20 tackles, and we weren't going to be able to run the football. So we devised a scheme. We challenged myself and Trey Johnson, who was the other Pro Bowl guard at that time. We had to go one-on-one -on -one with those defensive tackles, and we tried to sneak the center through just to run and get through on Zach. And we did win the game. I think it was 21-10. We rushed for 100-something yards. But it was a dogfight. But that was the first time in my career I've ever sat in a in a meeting with coaches and they were worried about a middle linebacker. Not Ray Lewis, who we played that year and beat. Not Junior Seau. It was Zach Thomas. That's the level of respect that he had in the league. And that's the level he played at. So it was fun to get a chance to play him and Jason and Tim Bowens and those guys. We, we hugged and we shook hands before the game. But it was a dogfight battle that we won, but it was, it was a lot of fun. I got an opportunity to, to block him a few times that game. And I'll tell you, it, it was very tough to get on Zach. He was a outstanding player, hall of fame player, long overdue. His numbers yes. say the words. And he was a great guy. Zach was a great teammate. He was a, he's been a great dolphin. He's been a great ambassador for the game. And I'm very, very happy that he's going to get an opportunity to, to get that bus and finally find his place in Canton, Ohio. That's why Zach always had a lot of respect for Kevin Mawai, I guess. Yeah, yep. Kevin was one of those few centers that could slip up there. Jets did exactly what we did and tried to man up those defense tackles, which was tough. Tim Bones right. and Daryl Gardner are very difficult to block one-on-one. -on -one. But if you can do that, and in Washington, we were running team. So if we could get those defensive tackles handled and let that our Corey Raymer, our center, slip up because he was a smaller guy too, he could run, then he could take the angle and kind of shield Zach. Well, Zach still had, I think, six solo tackles that game, not as usual 12 or 15, 
but we, we were able to control that game. But it took the entire offensive game plan to worry about where number 54 was. By the way, uh, let me just give Brad Johnson a little love. <laughs> yeah, because he, he gets dissed yes, like he he's does. just a jag of a quarterback. Mm -hmm. And he was actually a solid player, dude. I, I don't think yes, he, he gets credit. He was a good quarterback, dude. He put up some good years in Washington and in Minnesota. He put up some yep. numbers, man. And, you know, he kind of gets, you know, thrown to the, to the side like he's just a, a guy, you know, like because they won in Tampa. And, yeah. and like, oh, yeah, you know, he's uh, – no, dude, Brad Johnson was a pretty good player, bro. It, it just yeah. – Sometimes he, he doesn't get really enough love, you know. But no. he was, and he was a great guy. He was a yeah. great guy. I don't know. And he really, took, he really took care of his offensive line, I will tell you that much. He really treated us really well. Yeah. Well, just in case, Brad, you're watching, bro, respect <laughs> yeah. you, bro. You don't get yeah, enough man. love for being a good player in this damn league. So let me ask you something. Mm -hmm. Zach gets what he deserves finally to get into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. So let me ask you. I hope I hope I know where you're going with this. How about Richmond Webb, Keith Sims, and the March brother? Okay. Like, like first of all, F, bro, like what the F? I, I don't understand. First of all, I, I can honestly tell you I am not a Hall of Fame player. Okay. I am not. I got injured later in my career. Three Pro Bowls is not enough. Richmond Webb absolutely should be in the Hall of Fame. We tweeted, Higgy and I talk about it all the time. I don't know why the Miami Dolphin organization has not promoted it. If you, if you were getting Zach in, great. You accomplished that. Now it's time to get Richmond Webb in. He is definitely one of the all-time great left tackles, offensive linemen to play this game. And since Tony Baselli went in last year, there is no excuse for Richmond Webb not Longer to be career than in Baselli. the NFL Hall of Fame. Absolutely, Longer and career. better career. And I understand yeah. people get hurt. That's life. But Richmond, from the from the day we stepped on the field, he was one of the top three tackles in the AFC. Made the Pro Bowls rookie. I think was seven straight Pro Bowls. Played 13, 12, 13 years. He definitely deserves to be in. Had the pleasure of playing with Duke and, and, and Clayton as well. Uh, to me, they're Hall of Fame receivers as well. They 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 changed the league. Whenever you have players that come in and change the league for a decade. They deserve that recognition. So I think those three guys, Richmond number one, needs Jeez. to be in the Hall of Fame. But again, I am not a Hall of I, so, I believe so is Richmond is Richmond too humble, too nice, and not in the media spotlight, not doing any <laughs> broadcasting, not on the national yeah. stage and all because as you know, if yeah. you get into that media spotlight, then all of a sudden you become a more of a darling and then you become you know, you're more of a household yeah. name. You're there. You, you you grow in other ways outside of the field. And then all of a sudden you find yourself, you know, being more accepted into all of this. You know, your you know, your teammate. There yeah. has never been a more low key, <laughs> humble yeah. human being than Richmond Webb. Yeah, Richmond used to get me in trouble all the time. He would complain in my ear because our lockers were next to each other. And I would say it publicly. So I would get called up to Shula's office when it was really his idea. But you're absolutely right. He is so humble. Uh, he, I know he wants the honor, absolutely. And I, I know he believes he deserves the honor. But he's waiting for them to come to him. He's not going to stand up and politic for itself. It's up to us. Higgy and I talk about it when Armando Salguero tweeted out, I think he tweeted out, he finally got um, Zach in the Hall of Fame, his presentation. I immediately tweeted him, you're not done. Now it's time to get Richmond Webb in the Hall of Fame, and he agreed. So I think it's time for the local press to get behind it and recognize the incredible Hall of Fame career he had and get him from the semifinalist list to the finals list, and hopefully at that point they can fight in that room and, and recognize the incredible career that Richmond had. Are, are we penalizing the Marx brothers because of a little slip up that they had <laughs> off the field early in their in their in their post career? That it wasn't like anything that became habitual. No, they they made their mistake. They're human beings. They moved on, but their numbers are better yeah. than a bunch of Hall of Famers, and they're not they're. And their numbers are elite numbers, bro. Yeah. I mean, it's like it's ridiculous that they're not even mentioned. Uh, they're not it, even it's talked a, about. It's amazing to me. And I know with the game how much it's changed where you can't touch 
offensive players on the line of scrimmage are releasing pass interference. And I can only imagine the numbers that that combination, that trio of Marino, Duper, and Clayton would put up in today's game. And I think that's what penalizes them in a way is their numbers are good, but you see now you got a 17-game season and you got people catching 100-plus catches is is the norm now. But they were putting up these great numbers. And again, they changed the game, the way the game was run in 84. And I think that needs to be recognized. And I, I hope before it's too late that those three guys do get their, their rightful due in Canton. By the way, I say this, and I say this with all confidence in the world, because mm-hmm. uh, I watched the entire era, obviously. When Mark Clayton was at his best, mm-hmm. only Jerry Rice was better. To me, he that. was the second-best receiver in the NFL at that mm-hmm. time. You agree or disagree yeah. on that? Hey, Jerry Rust is, uh, or Jerry Rice was probably the best football player ever. Period. 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 For what he did 20 years, yeah, unbelievable. Um, knowing Mark and having been teammates with Mark and uh, Clayton and Dupe, it, uh, I have so much, I, I, I'm, I'm biased in a way because I want to see my guys get in there. So I'd have to look at the numbers, but they were special. You know, when I was in college, getting a chance to watch those guys do what they do, it was it was amazing to see no, what they Clayton did. And, and then freak athlete, like yeah. a freak athlete. Yeah. Okay. Like Duper had great speed and hands yeah. and all that, and good route runner. But mm-hmm. Clayton was a special, yeah. special athlete. He had body control in the air. Yes, he did. Mm-hmm. Grip hands. I, I, mm-hmm. I mean, dude, great combination. Awesome. It's just, uh, uh, you know, I look back on it and said that I think all three of these guys, or uh, I'm going to throw up what Marino's already in Hall of Fame, all three of these guys would get more recognition if we had won a Super Bowl. And I yes. think that holds, or even gone to a Super Bowl, you know. I think that they hold that against players too much. Well, you weren't a champion. Well, it takes 53 guys right. to be a champion. It doesn't right. take one or 11. It takes an entire team. And and it's a shame. I wish Marino had we'd gotten Marino a ring or an opportunity to get back to, to get that ring. But uh, we weren't able to accomplish it. But that it's never diminished what he did. The two of crap now, right? Oh, well, yeah. what? Does he need a perfect team? I go, man, every quarterback needs help. Why do you yeah. think Marino didn't win? Because he didn't have a running <laughs> game and a defense, dude. Yeah. That's yeah, why. Had if he had defense. a big yeah. ass back and a defense, they would have won a couple of Super Bowls. That's the thing. Every yeah. quarterback. Pat Mahomes, you ne- you said it a couple years oh, yeah. ago. The Super Bowl, and he gets his ass kicked. Why? Because mm-hmm. he was on his back the entire time. You didn't give yeah. him a line. You're not going to get a. You're not going to get a Super Bowl. That's yeah. it, it's you know it's really the ultimate team game. Some it people is. think this is Danny Manning in Kansas, and you took <laughs> him all the way to the championship all by yourself. Yeah. And here's Melo, you know, and taking it all yeah. away. Melo didn't get to win an NBA championship. Do you know why? Because one guy can't cover, can't, can't carry you in the NBA. No, they can't. No, they can't. Not even in the NFL. Definitely not. You you put up Kansas City. Great example. When they got beat, they invested in their offensive line. They they lost Tyreek Hill and they brought in a bunch of receivers and they were able to gel a bunch of defensive backs and they were able to gel. You've got to adjust and change. But at the end of the day, you have to have five or six outstanding core players in order to take it to that next level. Now that's something that Buffalo struggling with right now. Do they have enough of those core players to take it to that next level? Yeah. And they're going to lose some this year in the offseason. So Miami is going to, Miami's going to jump them this year and win that division. All right, Keith, I appreciate you, my brother. Thank you as always for taking some time, my man. We'll catch up down the line in the offseason when we get closer to the preseason. So we get, uh, get a feel for the team, my friend. Sounds good. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure to be on. Thank you, my and friend. Let's get there you Rich, go. let's let let's start the the petition for Richmond Webb in the Hall of Fame. Let's get him on the ballot this year. I agree with you on that one. We you should know. start that. Thank you, Keith. Appreciate you, you my man. Have a great day. And by the way, thank you, Keith. This podcast replay is brought to you by Slowman's Home Security, where you can get a free doorbell camera. The first 40 Big O listeners call 1-800-ALARM-ME and get a free doorbell camera with the installation of your Slowman Shield, and it includes an LED touchscreen, motion detector, three contacts, and backup battery. Call 1-800-ALARM-ME. Protect your family. Call 1-800-ALARM-ME. Let's get it going. Let's get it ready. Let's bring them aboard. 
Let's uh, let's bring Robert Jones on. I think he is ready to go. Told you at three o'clock that we would uh, have Robert Jones on guard for the Miami Dolphins. Ready to go. Let's bring him aboard here, Sean. Let's see if he is ready. Robert, how you feeling, my man? You feeling good? Yes, sir. What about yourself? I'm feeling. I mean, I'm at a casino doing a sports talk show. Okay, baby, life is good, man. You know what I'm saying? I can't complain. Can't beat it. Right, exactly. You know, we're getting paid to talk sports. We're getting paid to talk to Robert Jones. You know, it's uh, it's uh, it's all good. I see you got a Dodgers hat on. So is that is that your baseball team, or is it just a a fashion thing? Uh, just a fashion thing. You know, almost Sunday sent me you know some things. So you know, I just like to wrap it. Okay. All right. Do you do you have do you have a baseball team? Are you into baseball at all? You know, I'm really not into baseball, but I'm into Chicago because I'm from Chicago. I know that. I was going to ask if you're a Cubs or a Sox fan. I'm not sure. That's why. (laughs) You know, a White Sox to the bone. Okay. All right. All right. Cool stuff. All right. I like it. Let me ask you: When you beat Chicago. Was that cool for you? I mean, because you got to play in the game. You played every snap, and you walked out of there with a victory. So did you grow up a Bears fan? Man, um, really, I didn't get into football until late in my, in my, you know, my teenage years. I think but, you only you know, played, what, like eight games in high school or something like that? Yeah, right? it was my first year playing varsity, my senior year. So, like, but I was always a Chicago fan. So, like, you know, no matter what it was, the White Sox, the Cubs, the Bulls, you know, the Hawks, everything, the Blackhawks, everything. I'm a, I'm a fan of. So like, when we was able to play Chicago, the first game actually started at guard in Chicago at home. Man, it was amazing. So like, when we beat them, it was just like, like it was something I couldn't. You know, it was I had a lot of emotions in me, but you already know I had to get over that fast and get ready for the next week. So so how how many how many how many of your teammates from Erabs do you still? keep in touch with and did any of them call you after that game um it's a handful of guys you know i still um that because i went to rockford east my senior year of high school in rockford illinois you know uh it's a handful of guys that i still talk to you know i grew up in chicago so a lot of guys from chicago that i grew up with you know all the time they was at the game they came support me you know, my coaches from, you know, Chicago and Rockford called me, and some of them came to the game just to see me play. That's awesome. You know, that's it's so cool, man, because, you know, you become you – know, Robert, you also become an inspiration for all of them too because they see where you're coming from, and then there's going to be youngins that are going to be in the same spot where Robert Jones was at, and they're going to wonder, well, can I do it? What if? And and then they see you, and then that's an example and a, and a piece of motivation you know, for younger people. So it's really, this is this is actually really important, not just for yourself, but, you're, you know, you're laying the groundwork for other kids too. No, yeah, most definitely. Like, that's my main reason, like, especially in off season, I try to go back to Chicago. Like, when I was younger coming up, I was part of this mentoring, you know, shit that, you know, it was for, like, you know, African-American boys on the south side of Chicago. It was called Champs Mentoring. And you know, I, was a, I was one of the original Champs ment- uh, mentees. And I go back now because it, it kind of blew up now. You know, Michael Jordan's a part of Nike. Everyone's a part of it now, you know, trying to help it. And I go back and just talk to them guys. Love know, like, you know, no matter what you're going through right now, it's so much more to life. You know, it's all about perseverance. Just keep pushing through, keep pushing, pushing through, and just have that light. Make sure you still got that light at the end of the tunnel. You got to, you know, your goals that you want to, where you want to get to, but you also get them goals, like, step by step, step by step, and just be where your feet are because anything can, your life can really change in a year. So, you know, just stay positive. So I just try to be an inspiration to all them guys because, you know, as long as I can get to one person, you know, that's what it's all about. Hey, man, think about it. You go from where you're at, you know, in Chicago, and then you go to a couple of uh, universities, and then now you find yourself, you know, in the NFL, and you're starting against your 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 favorite team. You know, you're, you're right. Anything can change. So So talk to me. First of all, walk me through your senior year. What was the watershed moment that that made you play football when you weren't a football guy up until that point? What what got you into football? What motivated you? What was the situation that day, that week, that month? Talk to me about what made Robert Jones a football player that moment in his senior year. 
Um, so my junior year um, in high school, I think it was like the beginning of my junior year, I believe, if I can remember, um, I went to Gary Coleman College Prep on the south side of Chicago. And I had a coach named, um, you know, uh, Hampton, David Hampton. He played in the NFL, and he saw me. He saw me come out of detention. He was like, man, you a meal ticket. He was like, you play football? I'm like, no, nah, I don't play football. He was like, you need to be playing football. So I went out there my junior year. I tried it out. And, you know, I didn't like it, but, you know, I played. It was like a JV. It was, I was on JV team. You know, I tried it. And then I ended up quitting. And then I ended up moving to Rockford, Illinois. And I went moved to Rockford, Illinois with my uncle for my senior year. And Gary Griffin, he was like, man, he was like the, the mastermind of everything. He told me, like, he was like, man, I'm going to get you to the league. And he told me, like, he put me, I played D-line. And he told me as the year was going on, because, like, my grades were messed up. I went from school to school and everything. That's a long story. And he was like, you know, I'm going to get you JUCO offers. You're going uh, to go to one of the best JUCOs. You're going to um, graduate a year and a half. You're going to go Power 5. And you're going to go to NFL. And I'm like, yeah, all right, I hear you. And I'm like, because in my head, I'm like, I'm going to get a factory job. Right. <laughs> you know, yeah. I'm going to make good money. I don't got no obligations. And I'm going to just live life. So, you know, season going on, play on playing. He just keep telling me. He like, he got me meeting coaches from like New Mexico and everything. And the, you know, the coach from New Mexico told me, he's like, you graduate at Juco in the, in the year and a half, we're going to take you. And I'm like, okay. So, boom, the end of the season, you know, he made everything happen. So, really, like, David Hampton really the one who started me playing, but Gary Griffin is the one who, you know, who made, you know, basically all this come to life for real. Like, without his vision, I probably never saw it, never been where I'd be. But, like, just going to Rockford, Illinois, it was just, like, I played because, you know, I was big enough to play and I had nothing else to do. It, like, it kept me out the house. I was <laughs> I wasn't trying to go home after school, so I just kept playing. It was fun. And it got fun, especially playing D-tackle. You know, you can just dog people all day. So, yeah. <laughs> It's 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 a beautiful thing when somebody believes in you, isn't it? Right. No, I mean, I, I that's that's all part, you know, because we take it for granted when our moms and dads and our girlfriends or wives or whatever. It's like, well, yeah, you love me, you know. So yeah, of course you think I'm great and you think I'm handsome and you think I'm fantastic <laughs> and you you know they they get they have all the adjectives for you no matter what you're doing because they love you. You know what I mean? But then when, when somebody else that is not your blood sees something in you that you don't even see in yourself, my man, that's, that's pretty awesome because you just told me you didn't even see it in yourself. You're thinking factory job, and this guy's thinking the NFL. And now you got to sit there and think about Mr. Griffin all the time going, man, this guy's pretty awesome. He saw in so something in me I didn't even see in myself. That's pretty cool. <laughs> it's pretty cool, man. That is that is very cool. So when you get into football, what was the moment that you loved it? Because you know, Robert, you can't play this game if you really don't have some love for it. It can't it, it can't just be about the money. It, it you know, the pain, the struggles, the the crap you gotta go through, all that stuff, man. You know, and you you've gone through a whole bunch of stuff without making any money. So when was the moment you loved football? Do you remember that? Man, honestly, I think it was going into my second year, my second year in JUCO, you know, uh, after my first year, I wanted to quit. I went back home. I started working in the factory job. And um, I moved back with my uncle in Rockford, Illinois, working in the factory job. And he told me, he was like, man, this is always going to be here. You might as well go chase your dream. And, you know, JUCO hard already. JUCO make you want to give up. But me just working that factory job and seeing everything, and it just it just made me open my eyes. Like, man, you know, I can do so much more than what I'm doing right now. And I had the opportunity to you know, just really my whole mindset was like get my education first. You know, get a free education. I'm like, man, I can do this and get a free education and just own. I could be the owner at the factory at the factory. You know, <laughs> I could be, you know the G, I could be the uh, GM or something. So boom, I went back and I started grinding at it. Like, my going my second year, and I just grinded, and I grinded. And that's why I really fell in love with the game because I was just working. I was just working so hard just, you know, to take the next step and just develop myself and not go back to where I was just at, you know, not go back to Chicago, not go back, you know, to the hood of Chicago and nothing like that. I think that's why I fell in love because I knew I had an opportunity to do so much more. And especially going back home, see how everybody looked up to me. 
it just it showed me like I was a motivation to a lot of people. So I think that's what really helped me like just fall in love with the game. Hey man, it's you know not we. I can't compare myself to you because we do two different things, but it's kind of the same thing. You know, ever since I got into doing this. I don't ever want to get a real job, bro. So, Robert, this is 33 years of doing this now, with, and this is the way I look at it. I don't have a real job. I haven't had a real job for 33 years, and I do work my ass off doing this, but it never feels like work because it's what I love. And, so, and, and if you found something you love, which is football, you got to think about this, Robert. We're maybe in the five percentile in the world, 95% of the people feel like you did in that factory that day. I don't want to do this every day, but they have to do it because they have to survive. So, you know, when you get to do something you love, that's the ultimate motivation. Most definitely, it really is. You know, it's, uh, it's, it's pretty amazing. All right. So, you, you, you're in a, in a sh you know, uh, you start this whole thing late. And then here's the other thing that I that I thought is very interesting about your life so far. And I think it's what's allowed you to succeed. So you tell me the fact that, okay, you started late, but not only did you start late, you've gone to multiple high schools, if I understand correctly. You've gone to multiple colleges, as I understand. And now you're in the NFL. You've had to also play multiple positions, okay? And you've talked about it, how... You'll play all five positions if you have to. Not that they've, from what I understand, you haven't played center, but you've taken the time on your own to take a couple of snaps just to kind of stay sharp and try to, oh, just in case, maybe I have to play center. But has this made you a, 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 a tougher-minded individual, the fact that your road to the Dolphins was not a smooth one. It was one where you had to go the hard route because you started late, because you weren't playing on seven-on-sevens and transitioning to, you know, a, a JV team and, and, and a varsity, and everybody could see you and all those kind of things. All that stuff was gone from your life because you started in your senior year, and since then, it's been rough sledding. Has that made you a better player? Oh, yeah, most definitely. I think, you know, Exactly what you said, you know, just growing up, like just watching my mom work hard, trying to take care of, you know, three kids and just like the struggles and everything just coming about. It always made me tough because like, you know, no matter what, I always saw people get everything out the mud. Nothing was given. So, you know, especially when I started playing football, I knew, you know, I was so behind. I knew everybody already had a head start, had a, you know, you know, that had years ahead of me. So that made me grind even harder than everybody else because, I know people got better technique than me and stuff like that, but I'm going to go out there and play hard. I'm going to be more aggressive. So, you know, stuff like that, me going to Juco and everything, just had to earn everything, just made me a better player because I never look at it like I'm, you know, that I made it. So I'm always grinding. I'm always working hard because I know I got a lot more to go. Uh, from what I understand, um, you wear uh, some Guns N' Roses attire before games. Is that the deal or something like that? Is that no? What, what what is it? What kind of what kind of shirt it is that you wear? I'm told you wear some kind of. Is it like a rock shirt or something? Or is there some kind of tradition you do before games? No, I don't be doing it. I think you think you think you're probably thinking of Rob Hunt. We went all the. Um, well, all Rob, like the, Rob's the paying. Rob's painting his nails and he's doing all kinds of stuff. He's 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 a little bit out there there. He's he's a lot edgier than than most people out there. Okay, so you have no cuz I was told that you had like some kind of pre-game tradition. You, so you don't have any pre-game traditions before you start the game? Uh I just you know me, I just go out there my headphones. You know, I do a couple of drills and everything. And I just sit down and just look. You know, every stadium no matter if I'm still playing at home, I just Sit down, look, you know, listen to the same song. So you know, I listen to Fantasia. Fantasia? <laughs> but I see, yeah, it make my head, it make, like, just cool me down. And I just, you know, just look and see where I'm at. Oh, okay. Okay, so so you you use Fantasia to kind of bring, like, like some calmness, some levity to the yeah. situation, whereas others might use some DMX or some heavy metal or something to, you know, get jacked up. You're going the other yeah. way. Well, yeah. <laughs> okay. 
All right. All right, Robert Jones, by the way, Miami Dolphins guard, joining us here on the program. So, so far, Robert, who's been, be honest now, who's been the toughest opponent you have faced? That you, when you, when you were done that day or that quarter or that practice, I don't know where it's been, you were like, damn, dude, this guy was a load all freaking day. Give me the guy that's giving you the most trouble. Oh. I think the best the best D tackle I went against so far was probably Malik Collins from Houston, Texas. Like he was he was, he was a good player, good savvy player. You know, he got a lot of moves and pass rush and everything. You know, he had me working all day. He probably won. He won, most definitely one of the best D tackles in the league when it comes to pass rush. So explain to us in layman's terms, obviously, because you you know you're a hell of a lot smarter than we are when it comes to football and X's and O's, but. In simple terms to us, you know, because some people will tell you playing guard is like you're fighting in a phone booth and then playing, you know, tackle, you're kind of out in space a little bit more. So talk to me about the differences, because obviously you played a lot of tackle and now you've played a lot of guard. So what's the difference in playing guard for you? What was what describe to us the difference? Oh, for me, you know, playing guard. Everything just happened way more faster, you know. You know, um, you go against stronger players inside. So, you know, usually you got to be ready to fight. Like, you go right there, you got to be ready to anchor. You can't think about, you know, being slow with your hands. You got to be able to get your hands on people fast and be able to move fast because you get some quick guys like the Aero Downs in a, in a league who can move fast. So you got to be able to redirect and good. But everything happened more faster other than, like, playing tackle. Tackle you on the island. So you're going to get more speed on the edge, but you're going to get lighter guys also. It's so like, you know, you're going to, you get a tackle, go get some edge rush, you get your hands, you might can shut them down, but they got more moves, but you go inside, the boy's stronger. So you got to be able to, you know, be able to control yourself and just be strong. Have you, what does it say to you how much they've used you, where, whether you were playing left guard? And if I remember correctly, when Shell got injured, they kicked Hunt out to right tackle and put you at right guard too, right? If I was, yeah. if I'm correct, so they have counted on you in key moments, man. That's got to make you feel. Pre- I know, I know, you want to start full time and be a full time starter, and and you know, and and get the credit you deserve and all that kind of stuff. But the fact that you stayed ready and have have helped out on on either side, you know that. That says a lot about them, and it says a lot about you. You know, just when you're not that starter guy, um, you just got to always stay ready. You got to be able to play multiple positions. And you got to make sure, you know, you stay in your playbook. You stay, you know, doing all the, you know, techniques and everything for when your number's called, no matter when it's called, because you never know when it can be called. You just be ready to go out there, you know, don't overthink things, go out there, help the team win, because at the end of the day, that's all it's about. It's not about making yourself look good. It's about going out there and do everything you possibly can to help the team win. What are you doing now, Robert? What's uh, what what are you working on specifically? I know you guys are all going to say, "Well, we're working on everything," but there's got to be a part of your game this offseason. And you're saying, "Okay, I definitely need to improve in this area to make me a better player." What is that? You know, um, something I've been really working on. Um, been doing for a little minute so far. Now uh, I've been doing Pilates. You know, just getting strong in the core and everything. You know, back and growing everything. Just getting strong, and I think Pilates have really helped me. You know, just be a better old lineman, and then uh, I start yoga in a couple of weeks, just to be more flexible. So those are the two things I've been really working on that I think it helped me take my you know game to the next level. Are, are those the things that will help you what get lower for leverage and those kind of things that you need at that position? Is that kind of what will help you in that transition? Oh uh, yeah, and just be stronger. You know, just be able to not use you know so much of my last and everything, and be able to use my core more. And I think that just make me a stronger alum. So what's uh, what's what's the goal this offseason uh, or this season? How much do you want to be a starter? What do you what what have they told you? What kind of competition are you going to be involved in? Man, I, don't, I really ain't talked to them um, yet. You know, I don't know what's going to happen going forward. But you know me, I'm just you know trying to get my body right. And when you go into training camp, you know, just go out there and compete. And, you know, I'm just out there trying to win a job. If that's a starting job or, you know, a backup job, I'm just trying to win a job. Okay. So what's uh, what's Robert Jones do for fun? Are you a movies guy? Man, I love going to the movies. I just went to the movies last night to see Creed. 
Man, oh, amazing movie. Creed three. I'm going to go, right, yeah, Creed three. Creed three. So how how does it how does it rank compared to one and two, man? I re- I liked it a lot. You know, everybody got their own opinions. I, I probably like Creed one first because you know it's the first one, and I think I like Creed three. But uh, Creed three was really good. Um, other than watching movies, you know, I like um, playing video games. You know, I got me a PC. I'll be playing like Grand Theft Auto role play. You know, I play um, Modern Warfare. You know, I play all those type of games. Two K. Are are but, you, you know, are you interacting with people while you're playing games? Are you talking with the people you're playing with? Oh yeah, most definitely. You know, I go on IG Live a lot and tell you know I just tell people to add me. You know, I don't have a Twitch and everything set up yet. I got it, but I just ain't set it up yet. Well, you got you got to tell us what your Twitch is so we can promote it, bro. Come on. I most definitely I got you. <laughs> I, uh, by the way, last week I was watching your boy Tyreek in the Drone Racing League. That shit oh, yeah. that <laughs> shit was cool, dude. I've never been to a drone racing league and I got to tell you something, Robert. They know, I mean, that they, they, there was like 10,000 people there, man. It was a lot of fun. Kids were at it. Tyreek was cool like he always is. Um I I I thought that was a really cool thing. Have you seen that that drone racing league stuff? That's it's pretty interesting. No, I, I, no, I haven't seen it yet, but I know Tyreek's a gamer for sure. Like he loves all type of games. Like he just, you know, <laughs> he a game all day. He asks you if you want to play with him. <laughs> okay, all right. So what what is Robert Jones' top three movies that he's watched in the last few months? The last few months, all right. See, my ah, I'm trying to think about it. Avatar was a good movie for sure. I haven't the new seen Avatar, that one. The Way of Water. Okay. I, I, I liked it. I feel like they overdid it a little bit, you know, but I liked it a lot. Um, um, hmm. I think <laughs> my other two movies I watch all the time. Okay. It's Paid in Full and American Gangster. Oh, them, man. I, I watch them two movies all the time. Like, I could watch it over and over again. American Gangster <laughs> is, is awesome, dude. That uh, is yeah, that sure. is absolutely. We'll go see sixty five today, so I'm ready. Okay, all right, good. You married or a girlfriend or 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 single here in South Florida? I'm single in South Florida. Okay, <laughs> all right, cool. That's cool, and it's dangerous too. You know what I'm saying, Robert? It's dangerous. Uh, yeah, so. yeah, yeah. You got you got to be really, really careful overall. So let me ask you something. Your favorite thing about playing with Tua Tunga Vailoa is, man. He a dog. Like people don't know that. Like <laughs> I, so try, much I try to on. explain. I try to explain it to people all the time. You know, I, maybe because he's not six five, two sixty, or something. I try to tell these people that this is a badass boy. You just gotta. Man, you know, he, it, it's just he a dog. You you got see <laughs> to me what happened this year with the Miami Dolphins. Robert was a shit ton of bad luck. Yeah. I, I thought you guys had so many ridiculous injuries this year that it just took away from the team. And I don't even think that Tua will have the kind of issues he's had this past year with the concussions. I think that was freakish, too, on top of all of that. To me, that's what, what, what brought me down for this season because I think you guys would have made a lot of noise in the – hell, you almost beat Buffalo, dude. You almost beat Buffalo, okay? You get that play in on time on fourth and one, and I think you're driving for the win, to be quite honest with you. And you guys played Buffalo really good all three times. Probably should have won all three. Uh, and and to me, I think this is a really good team that had a crap ton of bad luck. How do you see it? Oh, yeah, it was like, you know, just playing this game, you know, it's, you know it's going to be injuries and, you know, this is, you know, goes to show what the, you know, the front office upstairs does, you know, because we had a lot of guys, you know, me included, step up when guys went down and went out there, you know, played their ass off and was able to, like, compete before we could win or close enough to get the win. So, you know, that's like just go toodles to the guys upstairs, just making sure we got enough guys. But, you know, it's just part of the game. Injuries always come. That's why, you know, the backups, we always got to stay ready no matter what because you, you don't know when your number's going to call, be called and when it's called, it's time to go out there and play and act like, you know, you don't miss a step. And by the way, with Teron Armstead around, nobody can make excuses because that guy was playing with 104 injuries. I mean, Jesus uh, Christ, he was adding a new injury every week, and he kept playing. Amazing. Man, he, yeah, he's a tough dude. You know, you know I, learned, I learned a lot from him this year, and you just see his toughness and how much he cared for the game. You know, you know, a lot of guys, you know, he went through a lot of things, and that's just part of the game. Injuries come, and a lot of guys would have sat down 
and called it quits. But you know, he can, he fought day day in day out during the week, but he could be able to play with us on Sunday and help the team win. And you know, he put the team first. Can you specifically tell me one thing that you learned from Teron Armstead that you will take uh, with you forever? Um, you know, the, the main thing I learned from it was like really just understanding how to be a pro when it comes to uh, you know just football as looking at the game and just getting ready for the game, getting your body ready, you know, just that aspect, all the little things that it takes to take your, you know, game to the next level, you know, doing extra work on Tuesdays with them on the off days and just looking at the game in a whole different perspective and the lens then, you know, how you'll look at it when you first come in the league, you know, that's just the main thing I learned from just how to be a pro. Good stuff. Robert, really appreciate you taking some time. You got a social media handle that uh, you want to promote out there so people can follow you? Uh, most definitely. My uh, Instagram is underscore self-made period big Rob. Self-made period big Rob? Yes, sir. Okay. I like it. All right. We'll follow you. Uh, we'll follow you on Instagram there. And you are self-made, my man. And by the way, <laughs> there is nothing more satisfying than that. So that is good. Robert, thank you for taking some time, man. I really appreciate it. Look forward to doing it again throughout the season. Yes, sir. Appreciate it, too. Thank you, Robert. Be good. There you go. Robert Jones, baby. Guard for your Miami Dolphins. Really kind enough to give us a lot of time here and uh, and go over his his, uh, short career here with the Dolphins. And hopefully it's a nice long one. You know, I hope he gets an opportunity to compete for a starting job.